Morant with a running start. Elevates. Oh, it does. Oh, my goodness. Tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took except Adams going long. Morant! John Morant gets 70! You gotta be kidding me. Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish, the Grizzlies. Got annihilated by the Los Angeles Lakers on Tuesday night. Playing the Lakers in L.A. has been a house of horrors for the Grizzlies recently. It's also been a house of horrors for Jaron Jackson Jr. Specifically, the Grizzlies have now lost 10 of their last 11 games at the Lakers. And uh, this one was over very, very early. It was unfortunately extremely Reminiscent of the playoff loss last year in game six, where they lost by 40. So not a fun game. If you stayed up and watched it, um, we'll get into the nitty gritty details right after I tell you about underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy has been supporting the show for a little bit. And I got news for you listeners in Tennessee. The higher or lower options are now available for players in Tennessee. So if you're watching the game and you're thinking, hey, Jaron Jackson Jr. might score over 19.5 points. I think he might go higher than that. Well, uh, you would have lost last night. But if you want to play fantasy sports, if you want to now do the higher or lower selections and you live in Tennessee, it is open to you. So if you want to try out Underdog Fantasy, you can use that promo code FBBF or click the link in this episode's description and Underdog Fantasy will match your opening deposit up to $500. Also, they'll give you a free higher or lower pick. If you're a new user, although all those higher or lower picks they will give you uh, are for NFL games so far is my understanding. But anyways, if you want to try out Underdog Fantasy, do that. Use that promo code FBBF. All right. The final score, 134 to 107. And again, this game was over early. Now, bullet points from this one. Uh, the Grizzlies shot a ton of threes, but uh, they did not make as many as the Lakers. The Grizzlies made 23 pointers. Elite numbers. They shot an elite percentage from three. I mean, 38, you make 38% of your threes. That's normally an automatic Grizzlies win. You make 23 pointers. You usually win. The Grizzlies have lost three games this year where they've made 19 or more threes. In the first, what was it, 28 years of the franchise? I can't remember if it's 27 or 28. Um, the Grizzlies lost three games total. Before this season, the Grizzlies had lost three games total where they made 19 or more threes. They've already done it three times this year. Yeah, that has a lot to do with the way the NBA is going and how three-point shooting is more prevalent. But the problem for the Grizzlies was two-pointers. Two aspects of that problem, too. One, they weren't taking two-pointers. And then next, when they did, they didn't make any. The Grizzlies in this game, this is bizarre stats. The Grizzlies were 20 
for 53 on three-pointers. That's the second most three-pointers attempted in a game in franchise history. Behind the, behind the 54, they launched in the first loss to the Jazz. So if you're keeping up, uh, the Grizzlies' 54 three-point attempts lost by 24. Grizzlies with 53 three-point attempts lost by 27. Maybe it's not correlation. Uh, who cares? Fun fun numbers. No, but the Grizzlies, 20 out of 54, excuse me, 20 out of 53 on three-pointers. 19 out of 53 on two-pointers. The Grizzlies made more three-pointers than two-pointers. That's wild. The Grizzlies' two-point percentage, 19 for 53, that is 35.8%. That's their lowest two-point field goal percentage of any regular season game in the Taylor Jenkins era. It is not their lowest game if you include playoff games. You want to guess a game where they shot a lower two-point percentage? Game six against the Lakers last year, where you lost by 40. The Grizzlies have lost their last two games against the Lakers by 67. The last two times they've played the Lakers, they've made a total of 36 out of their 111 two-pointers. That's 32% accuracy on two-pointers in their last two games against the Lakers. Struggling on the inside. Like the first quarter, we knew it was going to be bad, I think where the Grizzlies took an absurd number of threes, took 16 three-pointers in the first quarter, but made seven of them. That's a wonderful percentage. And they were down double digits. They had allowed 37 points to the Lakers in the first quarter. The Grizzlies in the first quarter were two out of 10 on two-pointers. I mean, the two-point numbers never got better the whole game. I think at halftime, it was like, wow, there's six out of 31 on two-pointers. Never got better. You can... Compliment Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis destroys the Grizzlies. I mean, Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the NBA. And maybe he gets up for playing Jaron Jackson Jr. He demolishes Jaron Jackson Jr. Anthony Davis had six blocks. Anthony Davis was unstoppable in the playoff series last year. Jaron's shooting numbers, abysmal. He was three out of 16 from the field. In the Clippers game, which, by the way, Anthony Davis is not allowed to play in Clippers games. In the Clippers game, Jaron shot three out of 15. So in back-to-back games in Los Angeles, Jaron Jackson Jr. was six for 31 from the field. In the three-point era, which starts in 1979, Jaron Jackson Jr. is now the 14th player to ever have consecutive games attempting at least 15 field goal attempts and making 20% or fewer of those attempts in each game. P.J. Washington did this last year, by the way. In his last five games in the city of Los Angeles, and this is extremely cherry-picked, but hey, let's have, let's have fun. Jaron Jackson Jr. has not shot over 33% in any of those games. This is the Lakers and Clippers game that happened this week, and then the three playoff games in Los Angeles last year. It's just brutal offensive performances. And then you flip it over and you look at the Lakers and the Lakers tied their franchise record with 22 made three pointers. 
when will this opponent three-point shooting, if you want to call it luck, I don't know, when will these opponent three-point shooting numbers come down? The Lakers made 22 threes, which tied a franchise record for most threes in a game. They made 62.9% of them. That's the highest three-point percentage in NBA history for any team that's attempted at least 35 threes. I know that's an arbitrary cutoff, but uh, 63% of your threes on 35 attempts, very, very good. The Grizzlies making a uh, 36% of their two-pointers, very, very bad. And thus you get this blowout. And now uh, what the Grizzlies, on average, are giving up 16 three-pointers per game. That's last in the NBA, of course. Through 11 games, where the Grizzlies are two and nine through 11 games. The Grizzlies have allowed the second most three pointers in NBA history. Three years ago, the Pelicans allowed one more. I don't know how much of it is bad luck. I don't know how much of it is defensive strategy. I mean, you could say the Lakers were due for a good shooting game. They were way beneath what their expected three point shooting was. But right now, Grizzlies opponents way over what you would expect a team to make. I mean, even if the, the, the shots are wide open, they're not supposed to go in at this rate. But unfortunately, a lot of the shots were wide open. Grizzlies seem super mixed up a lot of the time on defense. I mean, you allowed 74 points in the first half. That's the third first half this year where the Grizzlies have allowed 70 or more points. And whatever issues the Grizzlies are having as a team, defensively, especially offensively, those are exacerbated by... The continued injury problems. Marcus Smart twisted his ankle, left this game in the first quarter, did not return. Luke Kennard, who had been on a heater, he missed all of his shots in his first stint in the first quarter, and then he did not return. He had a sore knee. So now we're down to like, what, four NBA rotation caliber players. Maybe I'm being too critical there, but four guys who would play on any team in the NBA. I mean, the second half, the Grizzlies started Jaron and Desmond with Jacob Gilliard, David Roddy and Bismack Biombo. That's, that's rough. Like the Grizzlies were down 37 to 26 after one. And that's with making seven, three pointers. Eventually, they fell on by 20, 62 to 42. At halftime, they were down 23. I mean, that's ball game. You give up another 15-0 run in the third quarter, but like the game was over. And the game was over even with like the bench actually playing rather well, or at least well for them. In the first half, like Roddy kind of had a nice little first half, made his first two three-pointers. Continued the really strong game that he had against the Clippers on Sunday. Zaire finally made some plays, made a corner three, had a great steal, converted it into a fast break layup. Didn't matter. You're getting housed because of the three-point shooting. And also, so beyond the three-point shooting luck and beyond the really bad two-point shooting, which I don't know if that's luck, how many times can Anthony Davis destroy you in the paint and you realize, hey, we have no, we have no plan to how to score on the Lakers. Just don't have one. We had six, we had six shots last year in the playoffs. Now we uh, we tried again. Not very good. 
But another issue for the Grizzlies so far this year is um, they can't get to the foul line. And I think there's a correlation there between the three-point attempts and the free throws. But like, all right, you go back to that jazz game where we all had our problems with the officiating and Taylor Jenkins got fined for his rant afterwards. In that jazz game, the Grizzlies attempted four free throws in the first half. So then Taylor Jenkins, you know, goes on his diatribe. Well, next game against the Clippers, how many free throws did the Grizzlies have in the first half? At four. This game against the Lakers, how many free throws did the Grizzlies have in the first half? How many attempts? Three. They had three free throw attempts in the first half. All of them uh, on uh, Asante Aldama got fouled. It was a flagrant foul on attempting a three-pointer. So I don't think there's this vast conspiracy against the Grizzlies to not give them shooting fouls. Some of you think that, and that's fine. Maybe you're right. Maybe there is a conspiracy league-wide against the Grizzlies. But when you look at those free throw attempts in first halves, and then you compare them or contrast them with three-point attempts in the first half, three-point attempts in the first half in the last three games. Against the Jazz, it was 23. Against the Clippers, it was 27. Against the Lakers, it was 27. If you don't shoot in the paint, not going to get free throws, usually. Grizzlies opponents for the year have committed the seventh fewest fouls per game. Flip side of that is the Grizzlies are committing the fourth most fouls per game. If you want to say the refs are out to get us, okay, whatever helps you sleep at night. The Grizzlies are taking the third fewest free throws per game. Now they're taking a ton of threes. 53 Three-point attempts in this one made 20. The math says take a lot of threes, but the math also says uh, free throws are good. And if you have a three-point heavy diet that prevents your opponent from getting in foul trouble, that prevents you from getting your opponent in the bonus, prevents you from going to the line, being able to grind out some easy points there, you're missing out. There's a trade-off. I have huge concerns with the Grizzlies' offense. Of course, sprinkled into that is just the players aren't there. If Luke Kennard's not playing, if Marcus Smart's not available and we're already down, you know, our main guys, it's a tough ask. Even a Santi Aldama career-high scoring game doesn't really help you that much to make this game competitive. Santi had 16 points in the first half. That's tied for the most points and a half he'd ever had. He could have broken it, but he, after scoring 16 points in the first half, like fumbled a pass out of bounds, missed a, a layup or a floater or two. He did eventually get this career-high scoring number of 24 points. Also had five rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. He also played a little bit of small forward for the first time this year. I think a lot of that, I mean, it was two things. It was one, that Marcus Smart was hurt. It was two, that he was making shots. And I think because of that, he stayed on a little bit longer. And we, we actually saw Santi Aldama play small forward alongside of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Bismack Biombo. Front court. I'm fine with it. Let's try more of it. Santi, one of the only guys I'm convinced can regularly score in an NBA game. Desperately need that on this team. So... I'm fine with him playing more small forward. Also, we still don't see, we're still seeing very, very, very infrequent usages of Aldama and Jaron playing the power forward and center 
together. Those guys aren't paired up hardly at all. That's a question for me. I don't, I don't know why. But Santi had 24 points. Everybody else, I mean, what are you going to do? Desmond Bain, so Desmond Bain has 15 points. He made half of his shots. This is something I've said before, and I'm going to repeat it. Desmond Bain's been amazing. His shots are so difficult, and he's actually making them, and the Grizzlies are still last in the NBA. I mean, Desmond Bain made a three-pointer, I think it was in the first quarter, where like Cam Reddish and Anthony Davis were right in his face. The degree of difficulty on Desmond Bain's shots is off the charts, and he's making them, but no one else can really do anything. I mean, Bismack, he's going to have his scoreless games. He was scoreless. Bismack doesn't look as good when he's playing uh, a team that has size. Yeah, he helped on the, gl- the glass. Six offensive rebounds. There were a lot of offensive rebounds available. When you miss 67 shots, um, you better pick up at least 13 of them which the Grizzlies did but like Bismack. All right. Zero points, eight rebounds, four assists, two blocks. Marcus smart was one for three before going out with that ankle injury. Jacob Gilliard. I mean, he's playing well, but what do you expect of the guy? He had nine points. He made three threes. I mean, Gilliard 11 for 23 on three pointers in the last four games. Those are great three-point shooting numbers. That was one of the big questions for Jacob Gilliard. Can he actually shoot enough to make teams guard him? He's making his threes, and the Grizzlies are one and three in those four games. Zaire Williams, I mean, he had, all right, he had he made that early three, and he had that early breakaway dunk, and then nightmare stuff. He was three for 15 from the field in the uh, final three quarters. Finishes four for 16, 10 points, one rebound in 26 minutes. He remains last on the team in net rating by a ton. David Roddy missed his final six, three put attempts of the game. He finished six for 17, scored 17 points. Of course, most of that was garbage time. This whole game was garbage time. Conchar got in the rotation. He was not going to be in the rotation. As far as I could tell, he was the 11th man in. But when Marcus Smart got injured, thus Conchar got put in. Um, Xavier Tillman. All right, maybe in the we can build on this line of thinking. Xavier Tillman returned after missing a week of games. And he did make shots. He was three out of three from downtown. Six out of seven from the field. 15 points. All right, maybe we can build on this. But I don't have a ton of optimism for what this team does before John Morant comes back. And then once John Morant comes back, there's still questions. Like multiple things can be true. It's true the Grizzlies are without too many of their good players. But it can also be true that the players who are available, one, they aren't good enough, and two, they're not playing well enough. There were multiple defensive errors in this game. The excuse could be, Uh, Players weren't used to playing together. That's why they kept leaving guys wide open in transition. I mean, transition off of like off of makes. They weren't matching up. But all right, maybe they weren't used to these lineups. They never played these lineups together because, you know, so many guys are down. But like, I thought, I erroneously thought this team was going to be elite at defense during the John Morant suspension. 
Absolutely not the case so far. And then you go to the fact that the Grizzlies don't have any idea how to attack this Lakers defense. And in all their games, including games against terrible defensive teams, the Grizzlies offense has been putrid. The Grizzlies offense is flat out putrid. The excuse is, all right, we don't have, you know, pick the guy for which game. Without Santi Aldama, how can you expect us to play well? Without Luke Kennard, how can you expect us to play well? I mean, the players aren't good enough. That's that's another portion of it. The injury luck, it's not all luck. I hope Marcus Smart isn't out for long. I mean, hopefully he can play on Saturday. Who knows? But like the idea of Marcus Smart missing games, that's baked in to acquiring Marcus Smart. He gets banged up. Like Derrick Rose not being available, I mean, that's obviously something you knew going in to acquiring Derrick Rose. His availability on the court, highly questionable. I mean, Luke Kennard left with a sore knee. He's not known for being a particularly healthy and available guy when it comes to his NBA career. I mean, not the same level as Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose, but he isn't exactly an Iron Man. We knew going into the year, Steven Adams, that's a giant injury question mark. And of course, there's no Brandon Clark. There's no Joff. And then you go to the talent where it's just like Zaire and Roddy and Conchar and LaRavia and Kenneth Lawton Jr. Those are five guys on guaranteed deals and they are fringe NBA players. If they can't outplay Cam Reddish or Taylor Horton Tucker or Haywood Highsmith or Kyra Lewis Jr. or... Mike Muscala, it's going to be a long season. If five of your 12 main roster guys who are available are fringe NBA players, I mean, that's, that's basically half your roster. Throw in Derrick Rose, that's half your roster of guys who aren't going to give you an advantage against your opponent night in and night out. So teams will eventually shoot worse against the Grizzlies. But I don't think this team is going to like, you know, compete the way we thought it was going to compete before the season started. I mean, I lowered my expectations once Steven Adams was out for the season with like, even when John Morant is back and we're fully healthy, I'm not sure this team is going to win a a playoff series. I assume we're going to make, I thought we'd easily make the playoffs, but I thought it would be, you know, a long shot or at least an underdog to win that first round series. Now seeing how, whatever this new offense is. And again, it's 11 games in perhaps there's just growing pains of trying to adapt to a new offensive coach. I mean, I think it's a little scary what the returns are through 11 games with the low free throw attempts, the high volume of three point shots, the lack of paint scoring, the lack of three point accuracy, I mean, I don't know anything about Patrick St. Andrews who was hired to be our offensive guru other than he was Taylor Jenkins's colleague. I'm assuming buddy on the Budenholzer coaching staff with the Bucks and the Hawks. Like what if that guy doesn't have it as far as installing an NBA offense that doesn't involve Giannis and Tedekumpo? I mean, the early season returns are obviously dire. And anytime you record after a loss where you get blown out in familiar fashion, You're not going to feel super happy. And um, things are tough for the Grizzlies. They flew home 
after the game. So it is a three game road trip, but they're actually coming back to Memphis and then they will go back out to San Antonio to play the game on Saturday night. They are now 0-3 in the in-season tournament. Last place in West Group A. Their point differential is minus 34 in those three games. The only team with the worst point differential in the in-season tournament, it's the Spurs. So hopefully the Grizzlies can get right in this road game on Saturday night. The one, hey, here's one silver lining about being 0-3 in the in-season tournament. The two games that have yet to be scheduled yet for the Grizzlies, now that the Grizzlies are out of you know, any chance of advancing in the in-season tournament. Those two games could be against bad teams. There we go. There's your daily dose of optimism. Cherish it. Uh, Don't use it all in one place. Anyways, uh, sorry for the downer. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday, though. I appreciate you listening to these episodes. If you want to support the creation of these episodes, do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. I am probably doing a bonus Grizzlies mailbag episode at the end of the week. So if you want an extra episode of Grits and Grinds, guess what? Go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast and sign up over there. Also, you can try out Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code FBBF. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not done that already. Anyways, hope you guys again having a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Go Grizz! Go Grizz!